Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the FPL Optimized podcast. This is episode number 73, and it's the first one of 2024. So happy new year, everyone. Uh, we hope you all had a fantastic uh, new year celebration, and we also hope you will have a great new year with a lot of green arrows. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sir Top, the data scientist. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. And with the game week 21 deadline still more than a week away, today's episode won't follow the usual format, but instead we ask people to send in any questions via X, it's formerly known as Twitter. Mm -hmm. So we could make it a Q&A session today as a special episode. So that's what we will do. Are you ready for it, Sir Top? And how has the start of the new year been for you so far? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Uh, new year has been good so far. I can't complain. Uh, okay. I got a green arrow this game week. So uh, you could say that like it was a good beginning to the year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely. I'm I'm ready. Like Especially, I uh, at the OR, the the rank where you are at, it's maybe not so easy to have green arrows because yeah, it's uh, very competitive true. up there. <laughs> I had a green arrow as well. You uh, had a so, huge yeah, green arrow. Doesn't happen too often. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll talk more about that uh, next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for today, we received quite many questions. So thanks everyone to uh, the people who submitted one. I tried to group the questions by topic and let's start with a few on analytics in general uh, and, you know, using solvers and FPL. So this probably will be your favorite category, I think. <laughs> True. Uh, and we'll start with a question from Matt. That's Matt Thoughts HQ on, uh, on X. And he asked if and how any settings should be adjusted in a solver uh, as we go through the season, for example, to align to blank and doubled strategies. He thinks it's needed, but he's not sure how to do it. So, Sirtop, do you have any advice? Yeah, so obviously you need to adjust those parameters, but I should say this at the beginning. So most of the time people a little bit exaggerate the impact of these parameters. So these parameters have a default value and these default values are chosen because they work um, like fairly well if you have no idea you know, what those parameters mean. So you right. wouldn't go wrong if you just you know, run the solver as is with mm -hmm. the default parameters. But yeah. obviously all these parameters are there for a reason. So it is yeah. like knobs that you need to control for a better um, outcome or better decision making i should say yeah. um so in the question the way it's asked about uh, like free transfer value time decay and solve depth the third one made me think that matt is asking about fbi review solver which i don't personally right. use i use my own python solver which doesn't have a solve depth uh, because mm. it's a optimization algorithm not a heuristic but i can still talk about some of these parameters because they are common the first one is free transfer value, for example. So the default value for this is 1.5 EV. And what it means is we think rolling a free transfer is equivalent to having 1.5 or 1.2, depending on what like solver you are using or what kind of methodology you are following, um, 1.5 points 
And the reason behind this is, so suppose you have only one free transfer and then suddenly, let's say like Holland became available or he got injured like or the other way around and you need to move him out and get the Salah back, for example, which happened in the recent game weeks. In that case, you need to take a penalty. You are getting minus four. But if you had a free transfer, you you could have avoided it. So if you use the probability of taking a hit because of Mm. a player getting injured in your team, you can see that there is, like, using that probability, you can actually estimate the free transfer value. Okay. So in our, like, backtesting, we found 1.5 to be, like, working consistently well, like, avoiding hits most of the time. Yeah. But obviously, when it is a blank or double game week, like horizon, like if right. you're getting around those regions, so the free transfers value goes up a little bit because you know that um, like you might need to do two transfers at the, t- at the same time because of a blank or again, a double game week. And the problem with double game weeks is uh, Sometimes players get rested by managers, so you need to just follow the information a little bit closely, which means that you need to roll whenever possible. Like, if you have two free transfers, you made your one transfer already, and then if there is almost an EV like equivalent, if there are two players with their EV almost equal to each other, like you should roll your free transfer. Okay. And then this this value can go up to maybe two point five even. And during wildcard free transfer should be also even again more valuable because you want to roll as much as possible in the future yeah. game weeks. Towards the end of the season though, the value of the free yeah. transfer goes to zero. So you can either right. assume that it goes zero like linearly or in a nonlinear fashion, whichever way you think you can think of. But as we get closer and end of the, I'm saying end of the season, but same thing with that ending. If you are gonna wildcard, sure. Yeah. Time decay 0.85 is the the default value, meaning that next game week is valued with a 15% discount. Um, yeah. We think that there is a chance for those expected values to change, so that right. we don't want to give too much meaning to those game weeks. Um, yeah. If you're wildcarding, you are making a longer term plan, it should go up. So because if time decay is equal to one, it means that you are treating every game week the same way. And right. that's what you almost want in when you are wildcarding because you are making a long term plan. Okay. And during blank and double though, um if it is an unknown uh region in a way that we like if the blanks are doubles are not announced yet or like are not certain yet because of the cup uh, matches, then mm. time decay should be lower than mm-hmm. the default value because you don't know. You know that imme- immediate game week is certain, but the future game weeks are not. And if it if they are already announced, then the time decay should go up a little bit because that you know the blanks and doubles, and there's a higher percentage of those games will be played as is. As, as announced. Mm. Yeah. Um, but again, towards the end of the season, again, you need to increase the time decay base because like, there's no much meaning to um, uh, treat like, future game weeks any lesser than the immediate game week. And finally, I want to talk about chip values. Uh, sorry, it's taking too long. <laughs> but No, no, it's fine. 
Yeah, chip values, people sometimes ask about these because like optimizing chips are very difficult with a solver. Uh, yeah. Again, we don't know blanks, we don't know doubles yet. There are some right. like, people like Ben Krellin who are talking yep. about you know when they can happen. So chip values, as is, like default values are good. Um, if it's a blank and double horizon, then chip value should be lower. I mean, it's usually the, towards the end of the season anyway. And by the time you see game week 38 in your uh, planning horizon, you should set their values to zero. Because we have these chip values so that solver doesn't use them too early. But if game week 38 is already in your oh. planning horizon, then there is no need to just you know have your chips right. saved at the game week 38. So yeah. their value should be zero by the end of the season. That's why like if there are any default values for chips, you should reduce them. But personally, I think these parameter choices, they do not matter much. You just need to check what the plan is that you are, you are getting out of the solver and if it makes sense to you. And then... Mm then maybe adjust those parameters based on that. If the, if, if the solver seems like it's rolling in a game week that you don't prefer to roll, then reduce the free transfer value, for example. So those kind of adjustments are much more important than you know trying to find the kind of like rules that you need to follow. Okay. So yeah, we spent about five minutes on this and then you said <laughs> it doesn't really matter. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it matters. But yeah. not as much as you think. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's <laughs> probably what you also meant to say that this is quite an advanced thing to do, right? I mean, to 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 work with these parameters, you you can also leave them, and the solver will still be useful. But it's yes, I yeah for more I advanced agree. users, they mm -hmm. want to change it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Matt, thanks for the question. Mm -hmm. I hope uh, this was the answer you were looking for. I also hope we didn't lose some listeners with this quite advanced question. <laughs> uh, I, I promise you there are also definitely many more less advanced uh, questions coming up. <laughs> um, so a next question came in from Castagne Lasagna, and I think he is from Belgium because there is a Belgian flag. Uh, he's referring to the analysis of the model performance, which we've been talking about in, in our podcasts. And he's wondering if in the ensemble model, uh, you've played around already with the different weights to improve the ensemble data, basically based on the learnings from the, the accuracy of the different models. Is there anything uh, you'd like to comment on that one? Yeah, we have been noting this at the beginning of the season. Maybe we gave up uh, at one point, but whenever we use the ensemble, whenever we say ensemble, we try to distinguish between if it's an equal weight ensemble or a custom weight one and a custom weight means that we are checking the accuracy and we are trying to combine them with the weights so that yeah. you know more accurate models get more weights uh, in it mm -hmm. so that you know we are kind of trying to minimize the error rate um, but for our projected point average data for example we treat all of the models equally and the part of the reason is some of the models don't have like expected minute data so there's less number of models we can use for that table, for example, then we treat all of them equally, whichever the remaining ones are. Like I think four out of seven 
uh, have the expect expected minute data that we, we use for that table. But yes, the short short answer is yes. So whenever we also generate an optimal team using ensemble data, it's a custom right. weight ensemble uh, based on the okay. accuracy. Okay, good, cool. So we are, are you not... planning to change that those weights like weekly or monthly or how are you looking at it? Hmm. So some of the like the the initial weights we used were based on last season, uh, and right. obviously there are new models that we started tracking this at the beginning of this season. So their weights are a little bit lower. Um, yeah, we don't update it too like too quickly. I no. I wouldn't say monthly. Maybe like mid season is a good time to check what the accuracy okay. has been, and then maybe adjust now. But yeah. we don't um we don't play with it too much. No. Okay, got it. Thank you. And thanks for the question. Mm -hmm. um, so we have another question again, uh, a bit in, in the analytics category. This one came in from FPL is fun with a question mark. Yeah, we're never sure if this is really fun or not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Um, and it's actually uh, Pete Snee on, on X. So he's asking, what what the recommended game week horizon is at the moment as we enter the period now in which we still have some fixture uncertainty uh, i.e not knowing yet when some of the blanks and doubles will happen so how do you typically deal with this sort of i want to ask this question to you first because i have well i have an answer already but so when you are making a transfer plan, like how many game weeks ahead you are checking? Like are you checking right. six, eight, maybe more, less? I would say four to six in general. So four what I typically do, I take the the FDR, the fixture difficulty ranking, or I look at the fixture uh, ticker that we use. Mm -hmm. And then indeed, yeah, kind of a six weeks horizon. That's something I, I look at, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking with a colleague at the beginning of this week about this. So apparently mm -hmm. when they are playing a um, last man standing tournament where you're picking a team, so trying to right. survive the whole season, if you check the entire season, then early on you can actually lose, like the the, prob sure. the chance of you losing a life is higher if you yeah. check like, too many game weeks at once. Right. So there is a sweet spot. Yeah. So we also tested the same thing earlier with hindsight optimization, like re-optimization competition. Okay. Six to eight game weeks for FPL is very ideal. So right. anything less than six means that you are trying to react faster for immediate gains, which could work. I mean, that's a, certainly a big pro. But at the end of the horizon, you might, you might end up with a team that is suboptimal and severely suboptimal and you can believe expected value because like, you know, it happens to probably like all of us, like you check your team and it's just terrible for that game week. Like you're like, what was I thinking when I got this player? Like I knew that he was going to play against, let's say, Manchester City. Why did I take him? Because you probably checked the first, first four weeks and then it looked ideal. And since it's FPL, that player probably blanked all of those nice fixtures, and then now you yeah. need to play him against like Manchester City. So, yeah. and anything actually more than eight game weeks, even though like I tend to say that like use as many game weeks of data as possible, I often also encourage people to not schedule any transfers for last few game weeks. 
And the reason is, well, even though you are improving your worst case scenario for the long term, uh, so you are making a very detailed plan for the next 12 game weeks. And if any player gets injured or rotated, you will probably find yourself uh, like getting stuck with certain moves that you don't want to do, but you have to, otherwise you need to take a hit. Mm-hmm. So for FBL, eight, more than eight game weeks is too long. You know, less than yeah. six game weeks is too short. So it's yeah. ideal to use between six to eight game weeks. And if you want to still use anything more than eight game weeks, what I would recommend is getting those like final four game weeks or, you know, however game weeks you want to schedule ahead to actually combine them into a single game week. So it right. you can treat them as like a long term, uh, like long term expected value that yeah. if I have this team at the end of this horizon, I will be in a good shape. So yeah. you are not making a very like detailed plan for those final four game weeks, maybe, but you are still yeah. taking them into consideration somehow. Yeah. Yeah, and anyway, this is also like a moving horizon, right? Like every yes. week you should look at it again and, and, and it, it might change. And that maybe relates a bit to the point that Pete was making about the the unknown um yeah blanks and doubles that might be coming up so yeah i think we make a plan now based on the information that we have and then once the 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 blanks and doubles get confirmed then yeah the plan will probably change yes are you considering that like we know which teams will double but we just don't know yet when so mm-hmm. is, are you looking at it like that? For example, you know, Luton and Brentford they, and City and Bournemouth, just to name a few, they still <laughs> have a game that, that needs to be scheduled. So are you already considering that in, in one way or another? So, yes. So there are two ways of dealing with this. Well, I don't want to lose more like listeners, but the <laughs> first one is just, just the pick. short version. Yeah. <laughs> the short version is you just check what's the probability of having a double that game week. Uh, like yeah. people like Mikhail Tokwam is using, you know, what Ben Krillin is saying, you know, based right. on his estimations, probability estimations, and then bumps expected value a little bit higher. So, right. so that some of the players, they don't have a single fixture that game week, but they don't also have two, fi- two games. It's like 1.65, for example. And then you can optimize the average case or you can use something we call stochastic optimization. And then it's like, I will make a decision now, but in future there are two different paths and mm. I want to get, the, I want to maximize the average case, like either yeah, you know, the double is announced or like it's not announced. I want to be in a good shape. You can do that with optimization, but it's a little very advanced use of it. So not okay. many people are using it. No. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then there was actually a second part to mm-hmm. Pete's question. Uh, he was asking about uh, picking differentials to gain in rank. And he was wondering if there's a recommendation based on the data or based on your experience with the game on how many differentials one should pick to have a good uh, risk-reward balance. So when we talk about optimal or optimization for FPL, People often get confused about like effective ownership if it plays a role. And so the ownership plays kind of a role. Yes, that's correct. But the optimal gameplay is often independent of effective ownership, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, because 
Well, the ranks don't mean too much. Like point differences, they don't also mean too much. Sometimes you are like 30 points away from your mini league leader, but then you catch up in a few game weeks, like you get lucky. So because of that, like if you make any moves based on ownership percentages early on, then you are taking kind of like an unnecessary risk. Mm-hmm. And when we optimize it, so for people who are watching this on YouTube, um, so I plotted what we call an efficient frontier. So when you optimize it, you get the maximum expected value, right? So And it is independent of effective ownership. It doesn't matter. You are trying to get the team that is likely to get the most points against like all different combinations. Then what you can do is you can increase risk. You are like, I want to play a little bit risky. And if the the moment you say that, or you can even say, I want to play with less risk. Either way, you need to lose some expected value to make that happen. And the question is, how much expected value are you willing to sacrifice so that you can play a little bit more risky with a higher reward, obviously, like high risk, high reward? Or with right. a lower risk and lower reward. Um, in some cases, there is a very close solution that expected value difference is not significant, but then you are getting an extra risk for extra reward. Um, okay. So I was checking with different um, risk uh, objective functions. So you can actually uh, change the objective function a little bit and then get more risk or you know, prefer less risk. And the mm-hmm. first thing optimization does is like, obviously you have that optimal solution with that's maximizing expected value. And then second solution, the, the blue dot on this chart, if you're seeing it, yep. um, it actually gives the same exact, almost same moves, but it loses expected value only for those players who are less owned. And then you change your benching decisions based on that. For example, if Trippia's um, expected value and let's say Alexander Arnold has almost same expected value in a game week, you check which one has a lower effective ownership and then you use that player in your lineup because like you are kind of taking a little bit more risk. That's the first thing you can do. You can play as is you are going to play anyway and then whenever you have a benching dilemma, prefer the player with the lower ownership. If you increase variance a little bit, then what happens is well, again, on top of these benching decisions, mm-hmm. the the model takes one differential player. Like in this case, right. for example, it was Odegaard. Like instead of Saka, it was going to Odegaard. And yeah. and what very like this is very common for model to do. Model also captains the the player with lower ownership, so it checks like like. For example, there are two possible captains and their expected value difference is low. You know, that's what we do with you like when we are checking captaincy, right? Sometimes they're very close. Then you use, you almost always use the captain with the lower ownership. That's one way of increasing risk without breaking your team too much. Like just for, you know, taking differentials for differentials sake. If you increase the risk even further, then it takes three differential players like Van Dijk mm. and Odegaard on top of those, and also prefers yeah. a lower effective owner owned captain. Yeah. If you keep going, it makes it four differentials and almost almost always chooses the second best captain if its ownership is 
less than the most popular one. So, but by that time, like if you take four differentials and you are choosing the different uh, player as your captain, mm. you are losing like almost 20 expected value, which is a lot. It's almost like five hits of worth. Yeah. So you can say that it might worth it. It's usually worth it if you are really far from your mini league leader towards the end of the season. Right. By well, since this question is being asked for this probably like this this horizon right now, I what I would recommend is well, you don't need to get a differential just because they are low owned. Uh, just check if you can captain a different player in a game week. That increases risk quite nicely without making like without needing mm. any substantial changes to your team. Yeah. And same with benching decisions. And if those two are not enough for your case, right. then consider taking a single differential and betting on it. Anything more than that is probably going to make your, your team suboptimal. But again, if the difference between you and your mini league leader is too big to close, then that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good recommendation. Mm -hmm. And just looking at that chart, because you kind of visualize it as a as a negative trend, mm -hmm. so more differentials equals lower expected value. Yeah. But in a way, you do it also because there is this higher reward possibility. So this is number one in 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 the world. His team. I was checking last game week, like what he could have done for increasing the. The variance. Well, obviously, when you are number one, you don't need to take too many risks. You want to play safe. Uh, yeah. But what could have happened if he captained Son instead of Salah? Well, obviously, Salah ca is captained much more in top hundred than Son. So his like expected value here is like I will talk about the medium values. It was minus two point seven. So in average case, he was going to lose two point seven points against the top hundred average. But if he captained Son, that figure was going to be minus 2.97. So almost mm -hmm. like 0.2 less. But the best case goes from plus 12 to plus 21. So like you could have made a huge difference to number like the second person in the world by choosing yep. a different captain. That's what I was talking about. Like Choosing a different captain is right. by itself is gives you enough variance to make yeah. such a big impact. But at the same time, again, what's the risky part? Well, the worst case goes from minus 26 to minus 30, right. almost 31. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, like, you cannot get a huge upside without risking, the, you know, getting a downside. But, yeah, yeah. you're right. Okay. I mean, in that chart, obviously, you are losing uh, your average case, but then you are kind of improving yeah. your best case. Yes. No, uh, that was clear. All right. Thanks a lot. And also thanks, uh, Pete, for the questions. Um, we'll move to another question. This one is from FPL Stan. And we're moving a little bit away now from the analytics topic. Um, Stan was asking us what the most important skill is in FPL. Is it to have discipline to stick to decisions or is it to be able to quickly adapt and be flexible? So what are you thinking about? Do you want me to start or do you want to start? 
Uh, I can start. I mean, I have probably the the most logical answer, which is that for me, it's it's a mix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and we we talked about it a little bit earlier, right? I think it is important to to plan ahead, and I think that's probably something that people that are new to the game probably don't do that much, right? They just look at the next game we got a week after, and they don't think too much about the cost of a transfer and uh, or anything that might happen in the next game week so i think mm -hmm. we have an advantage when once once we start planning ahead for a longer horizon let's say as we discussed around six game weeks mm -hmm. because if you don't plan ahead and something happens yeah you might be forced into a move and it might cost you points and you know four points doesn't sound like much but you know as as we know it's it's not so easy to score four points basically an assist or, or a goal by an attacker so yeah. usually when that happens you're very happy so also then <laughs> if you take the hit it, it, you should see it like that it's 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 quite a it's quite a cost so you should do you shouldn't do that too often um, but at the same time FPL is also about monitoring who's hot and, and who's not uh, and you should try to jump on, on any of the bandwagons uh, at, at the right moment. So I think there is that need for flexibility. I think that's probably also why we have this podcast every week, because we do long-term planning, but at the same time, things change every week. So we also need to stay quite flexible. Um, so that was a bit my answer on that. don't know if you agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. It's a mix of the two. Uh, yeah. I definitely agree. Um, so I cannot even say which one is more important than the other. Some people go like extreme with these, like some people are really sticking with their decisions or, which is rare, but, uh, some people are very, like, they, they enjoy taking hits. <laughs> some people yeah. do, which <laughs> they should be a little bit more probably disciplined. So Disciplines Pro is obviously you avoid any knee-jerk reactions to short-term events, uh, like any outlier event, you can think that as an important one and act on it. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, it happens that, you know, maybe it was a one-time thing and then you got excited. So, which happens quite a bit and quite often because whenever a player gets a brace, you can see that lots of people are transferring that player in because they're yeah. very excited about it. But the next game week, the player blanks. Yeah. Um, the con of having this much discipline is obviously you can also miss opportunities. Uh, well, it's, it's the biggest downside really, because, um, yeah. as analytics players, we often, uh, like stick mm. with a plan, try to stick with a yeah. plan. If a p player is going through an, uh, like, un like a, a period of underperformance, we kind of struggle to you know, tell if it is just, a you know, outlier or not. So it's just the other way around. So th that's the con, obviously. Um, yeah. Quickly adapting. Uh, pro is, like, due to the nature of FPL, it, things change very quickly. Injuries, fixture changes, rotations, you name it. Like, you can capitalize on uh, players more quickly. Especially if a midfielder start playing as in a, like, number nine position, for example, which happened in the past. You yep. know that his expected value should go up, and then there's yep. a chance that you, he, that player will be optimal anyway, even for people who are using solver. Maybe models are slow to react to it, but his underlying mm -hmm. will go up. His he will get more chances, obviously. So you can try to catch those, but it should also it, it should only happen under under the circumstances where you 
the expected value change is not significant. Like, I don't know actually anyone who's playing analytically and then jumping on these kind of bandwagons. But yeah, there's not a silver bullet. Like, you cannot say that discipline or uh, flexibility is more important. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think, you know, planning ahead is, is a sensible thing to do. At the same time, there's also a risk then to maybe overthink it. And, and that's probably when I now reflect a little bit on my first half of the season, I think that at some moments I maybe I was to do, I was doing some overthinking or, you know, maybe I tried to be too clever. Well, actually, my first gut feeling often was right. You know, I talked a lot about Kudus, right? At the start of the season. <laughs> you and, did. and how great he was. And then, but I never really bought him because there was always another reason or I was always thinking about a more longer term uh, issue that I wanted to fix. But yeah, I missed quite some points, I think, with that. So, um, and there were a few other occasions where I had a first good feeling, but then during the week, you know, or at the end of the week, I decided to do something else. So for me, I think that that's something maybe for now for the second half of the season uh, that I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be mindful of that. Maybe not, you know, again, planning is important, but maybe not too much overthinking and mm-hmm. also try to follow a bit more of my gut feelings. Um, <laughs> so that was a bit of a personal reflection. Uh, how, how is it for you, Sirtop? You, you've been having a great season so far. So is there any reflections or, or any plans now? about mm. how you are approaching the game from, from now on? Yeah, indeed, this season was quite rewarding compared to last season's. Uh, well, the FE points is the first one is obviously data-driven decisions are very important. Uh, well, mm-hmm. It's no secret that I play with them and using an optimization solver. But it's also vital to do your due diligence and check projections from multiple sources because sometimes you pick up noise and that's not really good. Um, yeah. And... Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but patience is also very important, uh, especially with premium players. So because they are yeah. in your team for a reason, um, yeah. and even if they go through a blank spell, um, so you you probably got them for the longer term, unless yeah. you already made a transfer plan beforehand. So it is important to stick with them and then don't not not changing your um, plans too much, um, but. Yeah. So we always say that the fixtures are more, well, for analytical players, that the fixtures are more important. So you need to capitalize on the fixture savings as much as possible. Yeah. I'm saying this, and I also see people who are getting upset about their seasons. It it was happening last season, even this season too. Um, mm-hmm. They are playing analytically, like almost the same methodology, but we end up with different teams. And then I maybe get lucky and then get a much better rank. So to be honest, variance in FBL is so high that like you cannot yeah. really expect to well, play optimally and then hope that you, every season will go fine. It's not no. not always possible. Um so if if your decision making well you shouldn't evaluate your decision making based on the outcome, even though it sounds weird because that's pretty much what we are trying to achieve. Um, the fact that a player got a brace, well, kudos in your example, for example. Yes, maybe yeah. uh, you regret not having him. And well, if, if if your objective is having fun, maybe you should have gotten him. I, I agree. I, I even encourage you to, to buy him. But the fact that you missed his points 
doesn't mean that you played worse than you could have played. Um, so I try not to judge my past decisions based on the outcomes. And mm. It is very common in FPL and people get upset all the time. And even yeah. I do get upset all the time, but I try to remind myself that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, chips are important. Every season, it may it can make or break your season. And yeah. we are getting closer to that point. Don't use your wildcard too early. You will need it, and you also you will also need it to maximize the benefit you get from other chips like bench boost or free hit. So don't use it too early, even if your team is not in in the best shape. Try to make just you know use your free transfers or maybe take a hit or two, but try to leave your wildcard for later. And finally, for transfers, um, well, I try not to schedule too many transfers like any person do who are playing FPL because injuries and rotations happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but so there's a big discussion about whether to carry a stronger bench or not. Some people mm -hmm. doesn't believe in a strong bench. They also don't like benching dilemmas. So they yeah. just go for the weaker options and then a stronger lineup. Um, I think in in an average case, though, it's not that logical because you will probably lose a player or two. So it is much better yeah. to have one or two players in your bench that can replace one of your lineup players in a case that you need to you know, maybe bench them for a week uh, yep. if it's like a minor injury, for example, or a, a like yellow card ban. Um, so yeah, that's why I actually increase the bench weights in my team towards the end of the horizon. I don't talk okay. about it much, but yeah, that's what I do. I, I try to carry a better bench. So these kind of things, I mean, obviously it helped me in the first half of the season, but there's no guarantee that they will work fine the same way. No. But yeah, that's what I did, and these are my kind of reflections of what I have done so far and what I'm trying, oh, planning good. to do. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the bench, I actually had to use all my three bench players this week because um, um, yeah, well, I still have Haaland, so of course, yeah, I kind of knew he wasn't playing, but I still kind of gambled on it. But then I had Sinchenko and I had uh, Tufal, and uh, both of them. That was not really expected that they wouldn't play. So, uh, yeah, I needed my three bench players. And depends also a bit on where we are in the season. But now, you know, December was really busy. We've seen a lot, many injuries this season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I think indeed it makes sense to have a few decent bench options. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, while you were talking, I think the, the point you made about patience, I think that's probably also a lesson from this season, right? Because at the start... We had doubts about Salah. We had doubts about Son at some moment. Uh, we had doubts about Trent. And we kind of came back to them, right, during the season. I think, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we saw what Salah did in the last game. Uh, Son has been quite consistent. Uh, Trent has been great in recent weeks. So it kind of proves that some of those proven, um, you know, higher value players, yeah, we probably just need to stay patient and, and they will deliver. That That's... I think that can also be a lesson there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, talking a little bit more still about the learnings from the first half of the season. We had a question from Derek Haswell. Um, he said that, you know, at the start of the season, we also talked about it, that we were expecting more extra time 
uh, to be added to to games. And in fact, I think it's something uh, we certainly have been seeing. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon to see nine or ten minutes getting added at the end of the game, which in previous seasons almost never happened. You know, previously it was something like three to four minutes maximum. And, uh, you know, we were thinking that with more playing time, we expected less defensive returns as teams would have more time to score a goal. And Derek says that he deliberately underinvested now in his defense due to this. And he's wondering if we see anything in the data uh, to prove that indeed the defensive returns have decreased. Um, mm -hmm. Were you able to, to find anything on that? Yeah, I talked with uh, Lucas, it is F underscore analytic on Twitter or X. Um, so he okay. he was kind of like tracking these kind of positions, like how many points each team got from each position. And so he has the average for 2022 and 2023 season. I also used um, like our data from uh, this season so far, uh, 20 game weeks of data. And I just okay. checked per game week how many points uh, players scored in each position. So actually, it's interesting because it yeah. justifies our thinking. Uh, goalkeeper yeah. uh, projected, uh, sorry, goalkeeper averages were seventy-three points last season. It is sixty-four points, so there's almost like eleven percent decrease in goalkeeper points. And for defense, it went from 261 to 244. There's 6.6% uh, decrease. Yeah. For midfield and forwards, it didn't change much. I mean, it okay. went from 333 to 300... Uh, sorry, 383 to 380 for midfielders, which is almost yeah. like a 1% decrease. Yeah. And for forwards, it's from 100. 16.5 to 115 so it's almost 1.3 percent decrease so it is actually well obviously from season to season these points uh, vary quite a bit but compared to midfield and forwards where the points are almost the same goalkeeper and defenders get got less i mean it's significantly like noticeable it's like six percent less for defenders and then 11 percent less for goalkeepers um but at the same time, um, under fund, like under investing funds in defense, I kind of understand the reason for it, but still, it shouldn't mean that you shouldn't get like premium players, like Alexander Arnold, for example. I mean, yes, defensively, there's a higher chance of get like losing the clean sheets, um, yeah. but at the same time. Well, people wants to have him for attacking possibility, like attacking return possibility. So if you are going to under-invest funds for your defenders, just, you know, pick the defenders that you are only getting for the clean sheet probability. So those defenders are at more risk than the other defenders who can also get an attacking return. Yeah. Yeah, well, talking about Trent, uh, I think in the game during the weekend, he really looked good. And it's, in the end, I think he only had zero points, so he had nothing. So, <laughs> so that was not good, of course, for the owners. But I think yes, for the yes. whole first half, I was quite worried. Every time he had the ball, I was thinking, oh, man, Trent looks great. I need to I need to get him. But Especially after the penalty. Uh, I think he's at eight and a half million now, right? So he's not yeah. so easy to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's difficult. Okay. 
And is it not a bit contradicting that the the goalkeeper and defending values go down that much, but the attacking values didn't go up? Because you're kind of thinking that, you know, I think the reasoning in, reasoning is that there are more goals being scored. So, well, for goalkeepers and defenders, you you can't think that way. But the problem is, like, if they keep conceding only a single goal, like, yeah. think about Ederson. Yeah. <laughs> like every game yeah. he doesn't concede too many goals, but it's just one goal, and yeah. then it doesn't bring too many points. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. like the goalkeepers and defenders. Well, the, again, that's that's the risk, right? The, the losing clean sheet. But for midfielders and forwards, I mean, you they can score like multiple goals, which doesn't really change the defense or goalkeeper points. They can get minus one for every two goals conceded. But yeah, so. That well, the changes from season to season, obviously. Um, yeah. It's just compared to how like midfield and forward points stay the same. It is just interesting that goalkeeper yeah. and defender points decrease. Yeah. More. Okay. Great analysis and uh, thanks a lot for the question, Derek. Um, and talking still a little bit more about defensive returns, let's mm-hmm. go to a question from Cameron Scott. Um, it was about the goalkeeper performance in FPL. He asked uh, who the biggest over and underperformers were so far in terms of actual points scored versus the expected value. And he also asked if rotating goalkeepers is a good strategy, which I think is a little bit of a hot topic now uh, after uh, Dubravka had a good performance in the Liverpool game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let me start with the first question so yeah. i plotted a chart about like overperforming so you like if you are again watching on youtube you can see that the the overperformance right now like the top overperformance they were not the top players through the whole season it changes quite like quite often uh if I, sometimes goalkeepers go through this like patches where they get multiple clean sheets and then you can think that oh okay this is the 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 goalkeeper I want the, this is the goalkeeper who's uh, like overperforming it changes quite a bit but if we are talking about since the beginning of the season to, until this point top overperformers and first I will talk about FPL points versus underlyings meaning how many uh, xG they conceded versus how my, how many points they got uh, like in terms of FPL points so the biggest overperformer is Ariola uh, by a distance. And then we okay. have Ellison and Dubravka is at the third place. And if we are just checking FPL versus projections, then it is Ariola, Ellison, and Neto. Okay. And underperformers for FPL versus the underlying data, it is Ederson, <laughs> of, of the, <laughs> Martinez, and Flacken. And if we compare FPL points versus projections, it is again Ederson. Black oh, wow. and Steel, the third okay. underperformer. Uh, for the second part, which is the better strategy for goalkeepers, <laughs> optimization almost almost always allows having a rotating set of goalkeepers because yeah. I mean they are not that um, expensive. You can rotate them very easily. It's just a single position. It doesn't affect the rest of your team anyway. So yeah. if you can spend like zero point five or maybe even like one million then you can have two goalkeepers that you can rotate through the fixtures. That makes more sense um, 
you, when you're planning from that like, planning point of view. And also, in hindsight, it's often true that a rotating goalkeeper pair is better than a set-and-forget one. But that doesn't mean that a set-and-forget one has too many disadvantages. I understand people that, well, maybe you can do it and then you can use that budget to improve your the rest of your team. Um, yeah, it's a hot topic. Well, I don't want to talk too much about it, but... Yeah, from from a, like if you're using optimization and unless you are specifically asking model to do it, then model will always go for a rotating goalkeeper. It is important maybe to lock the the set and forget goalkeeper that you have in mind and check how much expected value you are losing. If it is not significant, maybe it will make your life easier to have a set and forget goalkeeper. I yeah. Agree. But yeah, it's often not the desire. Well, it's often not the optimal solution you get from a solver or from any algorithm, really. Yeah, and I think the 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 difficulty, as with many things in this game, is that you can just not predict when a goalkeeper will haul right, and mm. when they haul, it often comes from a penalty save, like Dubravka <laughs> did. So I think that's already, you know, quite a small so, chance that that happens. Um, but plus, yeah, one thing of course you can bat on is, is save points, right? And and that's often with goalkeepers from uh, weaker teams. They have more possibility or more. It's it's more likely that they can get save points, but at the same time, it's also more likely that they will concede. So it's also a bit again about that risk reward. But the Liverpool game was a nice one because yeah, it shows what a goalkeeper can do in such a game. You know, Dubravka had a lot of saves. I think it was mm-hmm. 10 or maybe yeah. even 11 or 12, I think 10. Plus he had a penalty save. But at the same time, he also conceded for a goal. So <laughs> he ended still with, uh, was it eight points? Um, or seven yeah, or eight? I think eight, I think eight yeah. yeah, eight points. So yes. that was nice. And everybody was saying, oh, you know, I should have started Dubravka over Ariola, But then the next day, Ariola scored 11. <laughs> people came back on on their uh, on their comments. So yeah, and he got it's a eight saves. I I prefer sad and forget. It just takes one decision out of the way every week. You just have one goalkeeper, and and to your point, you can move some funds somewhere else. But yeah. it's a personal decision and preference. Yeah. I think. Okay, well, let's move to another group of questions, which are about H2 planning. And this this is mostly relating to the uses of chips, because I think most of us still have our uh, chips for the second half of the season. Uh, there is the wild card, of course, which everyone got a new one. And uh, Mike Mahoney and also Overnight Success FPL, uh, two different accounts on Twitter who asked our opinion about optimal wildcard timing. And for most managers, I think it will relate to the announcement of the double game weeks. And well, those aren't announced yet, so that makes it a bit difficult. And what most of us do in this case is that we uh, we follow Ben Krellen on X. I think Sir Tab already mentioned it. If you don't follow Ben yet, you should because he's a bit the expert on anything that will happen around double game weeks and blanks. And Ben Ben actually also responded in our thread today. So thanks for that, Ben. 
he was saying that the majority of the double game weeks will take place uh, around the game week 34 until 37 time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those won't be announced yet until uh, after game week 27. So we're now you know, at the start of January and game week 27 is at the start of March. So we'll still have to wait two months for more clarity. Um, and his suggestion is basically to to plan with a wild card in game week 31 because then you're kind of preparing for those double game weeks. So yeah, that's kind of what the the expert is saying. So Sirtop, do you have anything to add to it? Uh, is there any data you're looking at f- for this? And and um, yeah, maybe also to make the question a little bit more general from an analytics or optimization point of view. Uh, what are some of the factors that you look at to decide when you play your chips? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was actually a question from FBL Gerald. Yeah, it was great for Ben to answer the question uh, yeah. in the thread. So, well, I don't have really anything to say on top of the expert <laughs> opinion here. Game you don't dare to. If he says Game Victor 31, that's what we are going to do. Um, so I think the key point here is that he said, these fixtures won't be announced until after game week 27. So yeah. it is at least you need to keep your wildcard or try to keep your wildcard until the announcement. Then we yeah. will have clarity about. And by game week 27, if you are using like FBI review, which gives you 12 game week of projections, you will be able to see the projections until the end of the horizon, uh, end of the season. So yeah. then you can simply set the chip values to zero, as I mentioned, because you are not going to keep your chips uh, like beyond the horizon and then let optimization figure out what's the best time to use the wildcard. Uh, that's what I usually do and what, what I'm planning to do. So with this, then um, I will try to make sure that I'm not planning a wildcard and at least until game week 27. So when I'm solving a longer solve, that's the game week I will probably target for, for the very least, even if it is like beyond my planning horizon for some reason, that's what you should do. And if Ben is saying game week 31 here, then that's the limit of how many game week of data I will you know add at the end of the horizon that about the technique I was talking about. But yeah, yeah so I just wait until we get clarity on projections and then just yeah. that optimization pick pick the the game week to wildcard okay cool and was there anything you wanted to add to fpl gerald's question or you kind of replied to it already yeah fpl gerald said um so when we are looking at using our chips in the second half of the season what ev game would you recommend to warrant playing each of the chips um <clears throat> So the rule on this, at least the rule I use is uh, yeah. wildcard should mean at least 20 points, right. like 20 more expected value. Yeah. And bench boost by itself at least 12, but if you are using it with wildcard should be 15 points. Uh, sorry, it is like 18 if by itself and then 15 points if being used with the wildcard together. Um, okay. And the reason is you probably get more out of the bench boost if you use it like together with your wild card, either before yeah. or after, doesn't matter, but uh, you need to plan yeah. them together yeah. uh, to maximize it. Um, for triple captain, well, it depends on the fixture. Some seasons we get really good doubles, some seasons yeah. we don't, but 
well, you need to use it in a double, and then usually 12 uh, EV increase is the lower bound on that. And free hit, it changes, but somewhere between 15 to 20 is yeah. kind of like a consideration. Anything beyond 20, well, it's, it's it, you you need to do it. But these yeah. values, uh, we kind of calculated this based on an average season almost like two years ago, two, three years ago. Depending on what kind of doubles and also blanks we will get, like what kind of fixtures you will get in a blank, maybe free hit will uh, give you less value. But yeah, these are these are kind of the default values yeah. we use for chips. Okay, cool. Thanks. So yeah, just a couple of final questions. Uh, mm -hmm. So we just talked now about H2 planning and, and wildcard and, and the chips. Uh, looking a bit at the shorter horizon, several people ask about the best plans now for the upcoming game weeks in which uh, we have the Africa and Asia Cup, as we know. Uh, for example, FPL Crisis was asking if it's better to go for a template approach, if, if that exists, I would say, or whether it's a good moment now to take some risks. And FPL Gameplay was asking if you do go for, a, for let's say, a more risky approach, who would be some of the best differentials for the upcoming mm -hmm, period? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking probably we need to look at the midfield then because I think most of us, you know, we're talking mostly about Son and Salah who, who left. Yeah. Uh, and that's also actually what Quimbo Slice was, was asking us about. So yeah, I see you have a chart here already for the people looking mm -hmm. at YouTube. So let's, let's take a look at this. Yeah, starting with the replacements for Salah and Son. Well, I, I just checked the FBI reviews data on this. Right. Um, like in given order for the next six game weeks, the the, yeah. the players with the most expected value is Saka at the beginning, and okay. then we have Odegaard. All right. Then we have De Bruyne, who also okay. has a chance of getting a double in game week 25, if I'm not mistaken. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Bruno Fernandez, then Foden again. There's yeah. a, risk, a chance of a double. Um, yeah. We have Eze, Bowen, Martinelli, and finally Richarlison. But Richarlison okay. has a risk of getting a blank in game week twenty six. Uh, oh, so yes. these are the top players for like for midfield expected value. And um, yeah, yeah, it's good. And it's good to see uh, the Bruyne back. We mm -hmm. haven't seen him much this season, but uh, the rumors are that he's training and that he should be ready for also the FA Cup this weekend. So I think, yeah, we'll all be watching that probably. And if, if De Bruyne plays, then probably uh, some people will be taking a bet and will be transferring yeah. him in. Um, yeah. So yeah. that could be interesting. So yeah, I was also checking the differential question, like best differentials yeah. for Gaming 21 and beyond. Well, obviously the players who are not highly owned and high expected value, so I saw De Bruyne's name actually. So going from the higher expected value to lower, we have Solanke, whose ownership is still not too high. And okay. then we have Odegaard, and who has a lower ownership yeah. and a slightly lower expected value. And then the yeah. third person is De Bruyne. His ownership is very low right now. Yeah. So I, I, I can imagine some people will try to get ahead of the curve by transferring him in early. Yeah. Um, and then we have Bruno Fernandez, uh, Eze, Gabriel Jesus, and Martinelli. So these are the players who are not like, well, obviously Solanke is owned, uh, 
but yeah, they are relatively yeah. on less than some of the alternatives and still have yeah. pretty decent expected value. So I was kind of also excited to see De Bruyne's name here. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if the solver gave me his name, but yeah, like if I was just you know checking this and then trying to find a plan, I will definitely try to fit him in because uh, well, he's expensive, but he's also exciting. Yeah, he's expensive, but compared to Salah, um, he's he's cheaper. I think De Bruyne is still around ten million, if I'm not mistaken. Ten point two, yes. Ten point two, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, and Salah is around uh, thirteen. 13. Uh, yeah. So it is possible, of course, but. I think as we discussed last week, I think also everyone needs to kind of consider like, do you want to buy Salah back when he's back or not? Mm-hmm. Um, because the risk that you can do now, like you buy the brand, you have 3 million left and you invest it somewhere else. But then if Salah comes back, then it will be quite difficult to to bring the funds back together, right? So yeah. that that's, I think, one consideration everybody needs to make, especially also if you sell Son on top. Potentially, you have a lot of budget now, but you know, if you want to buy them back in, in three or four game weeks from now, then yeah, you still need to have that budget again. Uh, true, but true. So and the Bruyne, yeah. yeah, people will distribute their funds and then yeah. struggle to buy the players back. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And the Bruyne, yeah, we know how good he is, how great he is actually as a player, right? But. We just don't know what the fitness situation is. Like, yeah. even if he's fit to play, does it mean that he will play every game now? Probably not, because that sounds a little bit risky. Um, or um, is he rested so much that he, can, he that he can play every game? You know, is he you're kind of taking a guess, making a guess there? So uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. interesting. And yeah, <laughs> also answering the FPL crisis question about it. Well, uh, you can go template or. Like if you feeling, you know, that you need to say, take some risks. Well, yeah, these are yeah. kind of like the players that you can consider. I mean, for my own team, I like I already have Eze and then Bruno Fernandez is the logical option here. Okay, but yeah, uh, like because you know that they are like playing consistently, and Eze might be on penalties even now. With uh, also okay, yeah. being injured, um, but yeah, yeah I mean. Uh, I, I I kind of understand the desire to get more risk, and again, if you are trailing too many points behind, you can risk it for sure. But yeah. I will go for uh, safer options probably. Okay. Yeah, I think nonetheless it's pretty exciting now because a lot of people had Salah or Son, uh, so we'll we'll see now different strategies. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. might keep them, some people might sell them, and then they will choose different uh, alternatives. Yep, yep, yep. The other one, of course, is Haaland. What are we going to do with Haaland? You know, I still have him. Uh, looks like he's fit to play again. So, what will other managers do? Will they be bringing him back or not? So, I think it will be quite interesting now the next uh, coming game weeks. We we'll see different. We'll see different strategies. Yeah. I will try to bring him back. So yeah, is it time to bring him back? Okay. I think so. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Selling be. Salah and then bringing him back. Yeah, well, you know, you did well selling him. I think looking back at it, it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, let's see. Let's see if you'll bring him back in the team. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, final question came from freegames.exe. 
Um, I think that's the account on X. And I also think he's a, an Everton fan looking at the, the profile picture. So that's why today I'm wearing an Everton shirt. A little bit strange, maybe, because previously I was wearing a Liverpool shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Probably something I shouldn't do. But this is a shirt my son got, and he got it kind of in, in a mystery box, you know? You oh, okay. Like you can order a shirt and you don't know which one you're getting. And actually, the first one he got was a shirt from a club in, in Azerbaijan, you know, some kind of small country in East Europe. And <laughs> I could see the look on his face. He wasn't happy at all. <laughs> and I was like, you know, yeah, this can happen. It's a mystery shirt. But then, yeah, uh, yeah I still send it back and, and they send us another one, which was the Everton shirt. So he's quite happy with that. <laughs> and yeah, I saw this question um, apparently from an Everton fan. So I thought, let's wear an Everton shirt. Uh, he asks us if either of us is thinking we will be owning an, any Everton assets at some point. Um, so I think that was more of a fun question. And then he also had a more serious question. He was asking if there are any tools existing on playing for risks or differentials instead of raw EV to kind of chase rank increase during the final parts of the season bit of a topping we, we talked about earlier but then this one is referring more to any tools uh, yeah. first about the Everton question uh, I think I can certainly see myself going for uh, an Everton option probably more in the defense I think uh, Pickford has been doing quite well this season and I also like Mikolenko so depending a bit on on the fixture uh, charts if, if Everton is going into a good run I could I could see myself going for a defensive option. How about you, Sertab? Yeah, I think defensive options are the only logical ones. I agree, Michael yeah. Lenko or Pickford. I plotted the, their you know top performing players to see if they're okay. kind of like overperforming against the prediction or you know underlyings. They are certainly above. Um, their like expected numbers, like underlying numbers, are better than predictions. So, like, models were kind of maybe underestimating them a little bit. Um, yeah. But the FPL points they get is also around the their underlying, so there's not an overperformance there. So that's why I kind of, like, Pickford might be a good option, but Michael Anko is, like, he's the on, maybe the only one who is overperforming both prediction data and underlying data, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. And was there anything on the second part of the question, which was asking more about any tools you could recommend? Well, that's difficult. I don't think there's any tool right now. Like I have it in my solver. I implemented it, but it, I, it's not available in the public solver, like public oh, okay. solver. And I don't think any of the like, other big sites also have that kind of an option. Yeah. But, um, what you can do to mimic it is adjusting expected value based on the ownership. Like if you want to take more risk, for example, you can uh, add, like you can, you can easily calculate the expected gain, which is expected value times one minus ownership. And that's kind of like how many points you are gaining against the field. If it's yeah. a highly owned player, obviously the, the, the figure will be low. And this kind of a metric will favor players like De Bruyne that we talked about who's high in EV but also very low in ownership so those players will go ahead um, you can update your expected value data with 
that with expected gain or maybe a mix of the two and then optimize over it that will increase your risk and it will get players who are good in ev but also aren't quite low okay. so cool. it's just a you know a way to mimic it but eventually yeah. we will probably release something that you can use a risk measure to get a more uh spicy team <laughs> okay. got it great okay we'll leave it at uh all right so yeah that wraps it up then uh again thanks for the questions it was a lot of fun i think the the episode it was a bit longer than usual as we tried to answer as many questions as possible and a big thanks to Sirtop for uh preparing all the answers to to the questions was there anything else you wanted to cover Sirtop? no enjoy the break yeah <laughs> well, let's have a cup, you know. There's never a break. We need well, to uh, yeah. watch the, uh, the cup games. <laughs> says you don't need to make an FPL decision this week. No, that's true. That's true. Well, actually, some people have been already making some transfers to, to be... Lots of people to, are uh, making uh, transfers. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was but I think I saw that some, you know, Salah already dropped in price. I think some people wanted to avoid that. Yeah. And I think also some players are already increased in price, so... Yeah, some people went early. I think it's a bit risky because there's a lot of cup games being played. Uh, so let's keep an eye on that. And then uh, I think, yeah, you and I will be making our decisions next week, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Next week is also when we will be back with our regular episode. So we'll leave the mini league update uh, for that one. Uh, this was FPL Optimized Podcast, episode number 73. Thanks for listening. Um, as we mentioned, it's FA Cup weekend. We hope you will enjoy it. And we will be back with our regular episode next week to prepare for game week 21. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you will get notified when the next episode is released. And you can follow us on X. For Surtop, it's at Surtop Bilal. And for me, it's at Belfi BB. And you can also find us on YouTube. And until next time, stay curious and stay analytical. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.